God has for us? Are we drinking of that living water? Or are we seeking water somewhere else? Are we satisfied with the water that God has for us? Or are we looking for that satisfaction someplace else? He says here for her, hey, just take the water that I have for you. (coughs) Now, I want you to understand Ruth is blown away. It says she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground. Why? She's a Moabitess. What's the big deal? Moabites are cursed people. According to the book of Deuteronomy, a Moabite is cursed. And if an Israelite married a Moabite for ten generations, they could not go into the tabernacle. They could not worship because they're cursed. She knows that that's her position. She's a Moabitess. She understands that that's the deal. And she wants to know, why in the world is this guy doing all this for me? Why is he opening his field to me? Why is he saying I can come and glean with his? She's supposed to follow the reapers, remember? What does he say? Well, go with the young women. Get in there right with them. Where the good grain is. Not the leftover grain. Go glean right there. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure you have water when you need water. And she is blown away by the grace that Boaz is is expressing to her, just like you and I, when we come to Jesus Christ, ought to be blown away by the grace that he is expressing to us. She's on her face. Why? Why? Why would you do this for me? Why have I found favor in your eyes that you would take notice of me since I am a foreigner? You know what that reminds me of? Who is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you would visit him? Who, who are we that God would care to, to cross that divide from deity to humanity just to, to offer an opportunity and redemption to us and relationship for him? Who is man that you are mindful of him? See, that's what Ruth is saying. Who am I? Wow, why have I found favor in your sight? Why, why do you express this to me? It's that same concept. And Boaz says, <coughs> excuse me, Boaz says, and answered and said, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work. And a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. That phrase, under whose wings you have come for refuge, is a perfect description of submission. You want a perfect description of what does submission mean? Submission means to come under his wings for refuge. When we want, am I submitted to God? Then you ask that question. Have I come under his wings for refuge? Under his covering? Under his provision? Under his protection? Under his watchful eye? What is it that Boaz is saying here? Listen, Boaz is saying, I know you. I know who you are. It's the same thing God says to us, isn't it? We ask a question, who is, mine that you, who is man that you are, are mindful of him or the son of man that you would visit him? Well, just keep your finger here and flip over to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, right around verse 29. 
Romans 8, verse 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Where does it always begin in a relationship with God? With his foreknowledge, that he knows us. That's where it starts always, that he knows us. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he called, whom he called, these he justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. So what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's the same exact relationship that we see blossoming between Ruth and Boaz in our relationship with our own Redeemer. With Jesus Christ, who says... Who am I, God, that you would say that you would die for me, that you would give such things for me? And God says, I knew you. I knew you. Remember when Nathaniel came to Jesus, or the disciples were initially being called to him, and Nathaniel was brought to Jesus, and Nathaniel says the famous line, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he's kind of skeptically coming up to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says to Nathaniel, Oh, indeed, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Literally, it says, A Jacob in whom there is no deceit. What's Jacob mean? Deceiver. Manipulator. And all of a sudden, Nathaniel said, How do you know me, Lord? Oh, he says, When you were sitting under the olive tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel believed. What was he doing under the olive tree? I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. We can only intimate what was going on there. But the point is, what is Jesus saying to Nathaniel? I knew you. Before you ever came here, I knew you. And whom I foreknew, I predestined. And who I predestined, I called. And who I called, I justified. And who I justified, I glorified. God begins the work, and he'll finish the work. And it's based on that idea, foreknowledge. I knew you. Well, we just go back to Ruth and pick up where we left off. So as we take a look now, Ruth, she's on the ground. Boaz has said, oh, it's because I knew you. You've, You've submitted to God. You've come under the covering of his wings. So she said... Verse 13, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not one of your maidservants. I'm a foreigner. I'm an outcast. Who's Jesus always after? He's always coming for the outcast. Praise God, he come for all of us, right? He come for all of us. So then Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and sit at, and <clears throat> come here and eat of the bread and dip this piece of bread in the vinegar. That's New King James. What's he serving her? Bread and wine. Does that remind us of anything? Bread and wine. The same things that were part of communion. The same things that were part of making the ketubah, the 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 
marriage, marriage ceremony, setting up the contract. When they wrote the contract, and they'd write out this contract, that contract would be sealed with bread and wine. Why is that? And about that time, the husband would say to the wife, as he left to go prepare a place for her, and until that place was prepared, he would not gather her unto himself. When he left, he would say, I will not taste of the fruit of the vine until I have it with you in our new house. Sound familiar? That's what Jesus said at the Last Supper. What did he say in John? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, what's he going to do? I will come again and bring you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. What's he doing? He made a contract. He made a contract with his bride. They had bread and wine. He said, I'm going to go make a place for you. And when that place was prepared, the bride would never know. The bride was to be ready. Be ready. For you don't know when the groom comes. When the groom comes, you know how he would call his bride? With a trumpet blast. Blow that trumpet and the bride would get up and all the bridesmaids and they would rush out. And they'd be together and they'd go off to a wedding feast that lasted seven days. They would be gathered together. All these things speak truth to the Word of God and what the Word of God teaches us and how the Word of God guides us. Well, they have the bread and the wine and she sat beside the reapers. And he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied. But she kept some back. What's she keeping back? She had lunch with Boaz and she saved some for Naomi. Isn't that what we see in in the church today? Saving something for Israel? Saving something for them? Praying for the peace of Jerusalem? Praying that their eyes would be open, reaching out? That's what we see Ruth doing here. She sets aside some of the meal which her Redeemer is providing for her, for the nation of Israel, or for Naomi. She held some back. And when they arose to glean, Boaz (coughs) went to his young men. So everybody gets up, and he says, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and don't reproach her. Don't you stop her. Yeah, I had this saying with my kids. When we would go to certain people's house, or we were around certain people, I would tell them, you know, little Johnny, we're going to go over to little Johnny's mom and dad's house, and when we get there, I want you to know, little Johnny is golden. My kids knew what that meant. If he takes your toy, don't care. He gets it. If he socks you in the nose, say, thank you. Can I have another? (laughs) He is golden. I don't want no trouble, no grief. He's golden. That's what Boaz is saying about Ruth right now to the young men who are working. Hey, if she gets in your way, move. Because she can't be in the wrong place. She's golden. Whatever she touches, it's hers. Don't reproach her don't mess with her don't you leave her be and let her have whatever she wants but that's not all he's going to tell him listen not only do that and don't reproach her but he said and let grain from the bundles fall on purpose for her so whoever's working in front of her while you're gleaning drop handfuls of purpose you glean and drop a handful 
for her. And you go and you glean and you drop a handful for her. Doesn't the Lord do the same thing for us today? Dropping handfuls of purpose for us? Taking care of us, meeting our needs. Ruth don't know nothing. Ruth is just picking up in the field. She thinks if you were gleaning anywhere, it'd be like this. She don't know better. She's a Moabitess. She's a Gentile. She don't understand that what's going on. She doesn't know the customs. She's just working. And she's finding what she needs. But who's providing her needs? Her Redeemer. Same one who's providing ours. Our Redeemer. You drop handfuls purposefully for her. Leave it that she might glean and do not rebuke her. She's golden. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah barley. Now, by the way, just in case you don't understand, that is a whole lot of barley. She like looks like she owns the field right now. She's got so much. You need to understand that. She's not just going with a little lunch sack back and, oh, look, I got our daily bread. No, she's got far beyond her daily bread. But she don't know. She's just working. Isn't this how it always is when you go glean in the field? That's how she is. She don't know nothing special has happened. Who's going to help her understand something special is going on? Naomi. Naomi, how is it that we understand the Jewishness of the Word of God except through the Jewish traditions and the things like we were just talking about with Israel? Listen, you cannot... I don't, I, there are a billion people try to read the end of the book before they understand the beginning. All the time. Everybody, every, if anybody's going to ask me, Jackie, when are you going to teach? As Revelation. When are you going to teach Revelation? When are you going to teach Revelation? As soon as you understand the Old Testament. Otherwise, it's pointless. If you don't understand the Jewishness of the word, you read the book of Revelation, you come up with all these weird ideas about what it says. It's a Jewish book. It has Jewish roots. There are 400 references to the Old Testament, 800 allusions to concepts covered in the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. You don't understand the Old Testament. The Old Testament is boring, dumb, stupid. I don't even know why we bother reading that stuff. You're never going to get Revelation. You can't understand the end if you don't understand the beginning. How is it that that Ruth's going to understand how much she has? How many blessings she has? Because Naomi's going to say, dude, it's never like this when you glean. That's the only way she's going to know. Well, let's read it. She's going to tell us. (coughs) So... She gathers it up, and she went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So Naomi sees how much she's got. And Naomi is like, dude, what just happened? So she saw what she had gleaned, so she brought out and gave to her what she kept back after she'd been satisfied. So she gives her that part of the lunch. Remember it said she kept back some of the lunch? And she gives that to Naomi. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? Her mother-in-law says, where in the world did you go? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. 
That's Naomi saying, it is never like this when you glean. They probably got enough that they can sell some. Maybe get themselves a little place, a little apartment, a little place where they can stay. I mean, their needs are being met over and above, pressed down, smashed together, pouring over. Naomi is like noticing and she's like, wow, where did you go? Where have you been? Who took notice of you? So she told her mother-in-law. Now, she doesn't know anything. She told her mother-in-law where she worked. She said, well, the guy's name and where I worked is Boaz. She don't know Boaz from Adam. She don't know how Boaz fits in the story. Naomi said to her, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. You notice that Naomi's tune is changing a little bit? Call me bitter because God hates me. To blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. Wow, look at God's meeting our needs and he's using Boaz to meet our needs. Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours. Now you missed the point. This man is our Goel. He's our Redeemer. That's what she literally says. He is our Redeemer. Wow, this guy, he is one of our close relatives. He's the Goel. He's the one who can buy back the land. He's the one who can give us back everything that we lost. You realize everything we lost as a result of the fall we gain way more back in a relationship with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and that is what Naomi is about to make sure Ruth understands. Man, you have so much in a relationship with Almighty God. You have so much here. So Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You should stay close by my young men. Is that what he said? No. That's not what he said. Because young people are knuckleheads. And she's thinking, hey man, I want to go hang out with the young guys. She got other things on her, on her mind. She's not thinking, she don't know how this whole thing works. She's thinking, hey, maybe I can get together with one of those guys, find a husband, get married, you know, maybe that's where my life's going to go. Naomi knows how it works. So Ruth gets it wrong. He said that we should stay by, by the young men until they have finished all the harvest, which is not what he said. In fact, in, in all of my Bibles, you'll see that underlined with a big what next to it. What? Were you not listening? And Naomi said to Ruth, <clears throat> here's how God keeps you from getting off track. Naomi said to Ruth, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with who? His young women. You go with the women. See, Naomi has wisdom. And Ruth, she has youth. But Ruth is devoted to Naomi. She really cares about her. And so she would like to ignore Boaz and go hang out with the young guys. But Naomi says, no, it'd be better for you to go out with the young women. You, you need to understand what's right. Go out with the young women. And Ruth listens to her. Isn't that cool? 
Here Ruth is going to screw it all up. But God places enough wisdom in Naomi for Naomi in her, in her age to say, no, that's not right. This is what you ought to do. This is what the New Testament says in the book of Titus. It says that the older women ought to teach the younger women how to love their husbands. That the older women ought to be able to, to bring along that understanding, that wisdom that they've gained and make sure that the younger women understand. Sometimes I think we get it backwards in the church today. And I know I could be just as guilty as the next guy. And we talk about we need helpers in the, in the nursery. And, and we say, well, you know, let's let the moms take turns. But Titus says, let the older women teach the younger women. Let them show them the way. Let them show them how to cover the nursery so mom can catch a break and go catch service. Well, you spread it out. Nobody has to be burdened. Nobody should have to do 12 weeks in a row. If every person said, I want to do my part, there'd be no lack. Right? We'd have everything we need, all the classes would be covered, and it wouldn't be the same person teaching all the classes every week. All the nursery would be covered, it wouldn't be the same person doing nursery every, every week. If every person said, I can do my part. But every person doesn't say that, do they? Sometimes we, maybe as that, that older person, or that wiser person, or the person who has an empty nest, which I am... Uh, uh, enjoying, by the way, the emptier it gets, the better it gets. <clears throat> Sometimes God's going to call me to fill the nest up again, to give, pour out some of that stuff I learned the first time around, right? But none of us get a pass where we have no responsibilities, ever. None of us get a pass where we don't have the opportunity or, or, or the requirement shouldn't be placed on us to find a place to serve. Ever. There's no such thing. You know what happens if all we do is sit around and receive? You become a dead sea. That's what the dead sea does. Sits around and receives, right? So same water goes into the dead sea that goes into the Sea of Galilee. The only difference is nothing flows out just flows in and just sits there but see a galilee water flows in water flows out just be in that place being in that place of service is important it's important that we understand that there's a place for us each of us all of us in the body of christ and no one has a past and maybe it's to guide a young woman like ruth who's getting it wrong and come alongside and say hey let me tell you what i learned has God worked in my life? And that's what Naomi does for Ruth. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Oh, that's not important, right? I mean, the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, what's that mean? I don't even know sometimes why God puts stuff in the Bible. You know, it doesn't mean anything, does it? The barley harvest is Passover. Wheat harvest is about 50 days later. 
You know what happens 50 days after Passover? Pentecost. Pentecost, when the church was born, when the bride came to be. 50 days after Passover on Pentecost, Ruth is going to get married. That's what it means. All these pictures, all these plans. What's, what do I want you to grasp? What do I want you to pull from it as we close tonight? Listen, you may be in the midst of all that junk that Ruth and Naomi are going through and you don't recognize the fingerprints of God all around you as God's working in your life all around you and you can't see it. All Ruth knew is she was gleaning in the field. She's out digging taters. She don't know nothing. But Naomi... She's able to point out to her that God's moving in her life. Sometimes you can't see the fingerprints of God, but the people around you can. They can encourage you. God's working. He's redeeming. He's changing everything, and she can't see it. Naomi couldn't see it last week, remember? God hates me. Now, oh, the Lord's working for us. Because the Lord was working back then too, right? He didn't just start in chapter 2. He was working back then. He's working now for you. He's working now for me. Can't always see it, but He is working. He is redeeming. Listen, He came to give us beauty for ashes. That is always true. It is never not true. Oh, my life is just like a toilet bowl right now. Well, you're, maybe you're in Moab. Come back to Bethlehem. But I promise God's working. He'll give you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what Messiah came to do. He's doing it right now. Open your eyes and you'll see. It's what he has always done. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Yes, ma'am. The three children that I bring, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, we'll pray for him. We'll pray for him. <clears throat> let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you right now. We lift up the kids, Anna's kids, Lord, and the situation there at home. At, doesn't look good but even as your word declares for us even when things look crazy and like things are going wrong right and left god you're in the midst working god we pray uh father that your perfect will would be done in this situation god the children would be safe father that you would watch over and bring peace to anna lord god that you would uh just comfort her in this time until things can be put to right god we pray that you would be the defender of the children and defender of the of, of mom and <clears throat> and dad, the Lord, that you would watch over them. God, we thank you that your word declares that this is what you do, and the book of Ruth teaches us that. You are in the business of redemption, and even this may be the first step in a, in a redeeming, in a buying back that which is bankrupt or lost, in providing a year of jubilee, even through pain and suffering and and. Lord, not understanding what's happening. 
God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see. That there may be some of us in this place who can be a Naomi to Anna. That can be a person who can come alongside and show her the fingerprints of God in her life and help her to know to trust him even when it's upside down. And I pray you help us, Lord, in our own lives to remember we can trust you, God, for you are always working in our behalf. You are always redeeming. You are always taking the ashes of our life and turning them to gold. You are always taking the, the, the garments, of the, the mourning in our life and turning it to joy. You're always taking the, the garments, our sackcloth and ashes that we wear as we're in a place of, of being lost. And, and you take it and replace it with a garment of joy. You always do it. So give us eyes to see and a spirit and a heart willing to trust you as you do. God, that you would keep us gleaning every day. That we would glean what you have for us tonight, tomorrow, the day after, Lord, that you would be glorified in the lives that we live before you, as you, in each of our lives, write out your love story in our life. And we, God, will give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> We're going to close out tonight with a time of worship, so I want to invite you to worship with us. Also, uh, I'm sure we got some goodies out there on the table. I'll meet you around the chocolate cake. And uh, we'll have a time of fellowship. God bless you guys. Go in peace. Blessed be your name, the run that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to pray When the darkness closes in Lord, till I will say Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. Though the world's all that it should be. 
Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed. Every blessing you pour out of our heart will praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name, and the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll Turn back to praise When the darkness closes in Lord, still I will say Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name You give and take away You give and take away My heart will choose to say Blessed be your name You give and take away Give and take away Heart will choose to say The name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Lord, may we always choose to. Glorify you, Lord, with every breath, Lord, that you give us. Lord, may we walk in your ways, Lord. Uh, may we be submitted, Lord, and teachable, Lord, by you. Lord, guide us and lead us, Lord, that we would glean in your field, Lord Jesus. Lord, go with us in Jesus' name. Amen.